0: I'm Mindy Peterson and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I am thrilled to have with me today from LA, Rena Strober, a Broadway film and television actor who is also an advocate for the blind. Most kids may know Rena from her recurring role on Disney's Liv and Maddie, and adults might recognize her from TV shows like Veep and Shameless. Rena taught for five years at the Academy of Music for the Blind and continues to teach voice lessons to blind and sighted children. In her LA home. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rena. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, you had me at the title because if it, it, music definitely <laughs> enhances your life. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here.
0: Great to have you. Well, Rena, you just released a brand new album called Imagine That, the Sesame Street Music of Joe Raposo and Jeff Moss, which features an all-blind children's choir as well as many famous guest artists. First of all, congratulations on your album's release. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the album and what makes it so incredibly special.
1: Well, it was amazing because um, almost two years ago, I woke up on New Year's Day and I was like, I need to do something for myself, for my world around me, but most Mm -hmm. importantly for my daughter. I have a three-year-old now. And I thought the only thing I can give her to really change her life is music. Mm. And so I had this little nugget of an idea to to do the music of Sesame Street because it's the music that I feel really teaches us about tolerance and acceptance and ability versus disability and kindness and joy. And I ran the idea past a big producer in Nashville who immediately said, yes, this is what the world needs. Mm. I ran the idea past some friends... Like uh, Jason Alexander, because I was like, he has really great taste in art and music, and he said, "I want to be part of it." Mm -hmm. I thought, "Oh my gosh!" (laughs) And French Stewart, and uh, who's another wonderful actor and friend, and and all these wonderful people started to come on board, and I thought, well, if I'm going to do something and put it out into the world, it needs to have a bigger purpose. So that's when I thought, you know what? I'm also going to invite all of my friends who I work with who are visually impaired. So I decided to create a choir of young children who are blind and visually impaired to sing on the album with me and then go a step further and use this album and this music to raise awareness for the blind, but also raise money for two organizations that I'm passionate about, which is Guide Dogs of America, which is a a Los Angeles-based guide dog organization that, you know, when a blind... person who is given a guide dog their independence just triples and mm. their confidence multiplies and then the other is gavin s stevens foundation which gavin stevens is a singer on the album when i realized that this album was becoming bigger than i thought with people like jason alexander on it and i also had sony studios um giving me their studio to record for free. Mm. And I noticed everyone wanted to be a part of it. I thought, if this is going to be that big, it has to give back somehow. Mm. And I know that there's not a lot of money in music these days, but there's the opportunity to get out a message and possibly raise some money. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to invite um, all of my friends who I teach who are visually impaired or blind create a choir and um, use the album and the music to raise awareness for the blind and also raise money for guide dogs of America and Gavin's group. Well, it's called Gavin's groupies, but the actual organization is the Gavin Stevens foundation. Um, I have two singers on the album, Gavin Stevens and Allie Elliott, who were born with a very rare disorder called LCA, which uh, means they're blind from birth. Mm. So Gavin's family started the gavin stevens foundation which raises money for lca research um gavin and Allie are two strong strong singers who i love and they're featured all over the album and so it was also important for me to give back to research to to help discover where this comes from where this gene um, comes from so we could prevent it in the future, in future babies. Mm, mm -hmm.
0: And tell us how you became an advocate for the visually impaired and started working with the blind.
1: It's crazy. I was sort of invited, uh, a guitar player I knew was teaching guitar at the Academy of Music for the Blind in LA, and and I was working with kids with autism. I've always really loved drama therapy and music therapy, Mm. so I was actually working for an organization that was using music therapy for kids with autism. And this friend knew. And he goes, you know what? I teach at this music school for the blind. You should come by and just meet them. I thought, wow, okay. I I really never met a blind person or a blind child. And so the kids knew I was coming. So they listened to my music. They learned stuff about me. And when I showed up, they all asked to sing duets with me and I thought, "Okay." Aww. And so I ended up singing with Gavin we sang Time to Say Goodbye, that big, and- you know, Andrea Bocelli song. Okay. And I was a puddle of salt water. I <laughs> it broke, it broke every emotion in me, not because I was sad or pitied them, but because I had never Heard a voice and voices come from a part of someone's soul like they were coming from these kids. Mm. Um, I was so affected, and I had you know been on Broadway and recorded stuff, but I had never known where that the voice can come from a much deeper place, and these kids with no sight their voice is is connected to their soul in a way that I feel like the sighted don't don't understand. So that day shook me to my core and I fell in love with the parents and I fell in love with the kids. A few months later, they asked me to sing at their Christmas concert. I was like, yes, whatever you need. (laughs) And then a month later that the director said, do you want to be a voice teacher here? And I originally said, no, I don't know how to do that. I I can teach sighted kids, but I don't know how to teach the blind. And a little thing in my head said, just say yes, just say yes and figure it out. Mm. You know, it's like, fake it till you make it. (laughs) So I said, sure. And I walked in the room and, and in walked one of my first students, it was Gavin Stevens and Danielle. And I learned very quickly, just learning by doing how to teach the blind. You can't say, Hey, do this, raise your hands like this. It's all Mm. about feel my face, Mm. um, stand on the other side of the room, Uh, Listen to where my voice is. My teaching also became very strongly rooted in confidence, not just teaching them to sing, but teaching them to love themselves, to be confident in who they are. And I started to see changes in themselves and their voices immediately. So it was just a match made in heaven. So I taught there for many years and then I got pregnant and I took a maternity leave and unfortunately, when you have a kid, it's very hard to go drive places to teach. <laughs> yes, um, it is. <laughs> so, so I left the school, but a lot of the students were coming to my house. And then I I just kept producing. I, I've, I have a bunch of videos on YouTube. There's one where I did Suddenly Seymour with Gavin. And we did a shot-for-shot recreation from Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. So if if I wasn't teaching, I'd be producing stuff, basically giving them opportunities that they weren't getting on their own so that became it just became important to me for them to know that there's nothing in their way you know Uh. that that they they can do anything you know they can be on tv or they can be in a like gavin loved shoot like being on set you know and having to do (laughs) the same thing over and over again and and um and then with this album, inviting them into st- Sony Studios to stand at those microphones and put these headphones on and 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 sing over and over again and meet Jason Alexander and French and ML and just give them this opportunity. And I even put the parents on the song "Sing." Um, mm. I'm sure everyone knows at the end it goes la 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 la. And I was like, parents, get down here, are you're singing. <laughs> um, so. It was just it was just wonderful and and they're going to continue to reap the benefits because I'm hoping people go, We want to hear them sing more or sure. you know after after Gavin started getting out there singing, the l a Lakers and the Kings asked him to sing the national anthem for them oh. for like. An entire season. Oh, my word. Oh, that is awesome. It was incredible. He was like eight at the time. And he would (laughs) walk out, you know, in center stage at, at, you know, the Staples Center and blast, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. Um, (laughs) So I just I constantly am giving these given these nuggets of joy from seeing them be presented to the world as a talented performer mm-hmm. and not as a blind performer, you mm-hmm. know? And <laughs> and that's my goal, to to break down the barriers. And I feel that that's what Jim Henson set out to do mm-hmm. when he, he didn't create Sesame Street, but, but with his Muppets and the people behind Sesame Street to say, hey, because I still watch the old Sesame Streets with my daughter. Yeah, okay. And every, like the really old, old ones, show a young white girl in the black neighborhood in Brooklyn mm-hmm. waking up with her and like experiencing her life and and there's no there's no color it's it's basically colorblind those old those old sesame streets there's a little girl in a wheelchair in a lot of episodes that she's just she's part of the show you mm-hmm. know ray charles was on the show with elmo and he talks about braille and stevie wonder was actually on the show and so yeah. So that's, again, just tying back why I chose that music to to speak to what I wish for the world, basically. Sure.
0: Yeah. Was was there any other factors that went into how you decided which songs to include in the album?
1: Well, Fred Mullen, the producer, he's out of Nashville. Um, yeah. He's really incredible. And what he does is he had me make him CDs of Every song that Joe Raposo and Jeff Moss wrote, he's like, I want to hear all of them. So I went and burned them. He was in Martha's Vineyard at the time, actually, and he put them on like uh, his headphones. I don't know how he did that, but he immersed himself in the music, as did I. He said, we need to take the next week and from morning, noon and night, we need to just listen to the music over and over and over again Mm. and start to see what songs really speak to us. And that's how we whittled it down. I mean, there were some that I knew I wanted. There were some I didn't want, but that he sort of convinced me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there were some he didn't want that I had to, you know, campaign for. (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't easy because those writers have written scores of amazing music. I also found some gems of Joe Raposo that no one has ever really recorded his son, Nick Raposo, runs their licensing. And when I told him the list, he's like, oh my gosh, how'd you find that? <laughs> oh, interesting. So I was watching Sesame Street over and over again and finding these little songs that were wedged in Sesame Street episodes. Oh. And I would make recordings of those and then we would have them transcribed, but they were songs that no one no one had recorded. So, mm. so yeah, it was just fun. I was like, sure, if my job means... Listening to music. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah. That.
0: yeah, that's awesome. Tell us about some of the special guests that are part of the album.
1: My good friend Jason Alexander, who was my director um, a few years ago in a show here in Los Angeles, who it's funny because I, I know everyone loves him from Seinfeld, but I become a Broadway fangirl when I'm around him. I mean, I grew up knowing he was from the original production of Mary Levy Roll Along um, he then won the Tony for Jerome Robbins Broadway. So to me, he's a, he's a Broadway star. Okay. Um, French Stewart, who people know from Third Rock in the Sun, we did a play together out here about Buster Keaton called Stone Face. And he has a daughter as well. And his wife is a very good friend. And he embodies the joy of this music. He is goofy and caring and kind and generous. And he just, he, he fit what this music is. And then Michael Leon Woolley, who pl- actually um, he was the voice of Louie the Alligator in The Princess and the Frog, but he, he called me a few years or a year ago and says, Rena, I was just cast to play a blind diabetic drag queen um, with RuPaul for this new Netflix show called AJ and the Queen. And he goes, I know you work with the blind. Help me, help me. How do I do this? And I said, Well, let me connect you with Christina Jones who's known as the um, Blind Soprano. She's an incredible opera singer who was also a teacher at the Academy, and we are just, like, best friends. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you need to talk to Christina, and Christina became his on-set coach oh. for how to do makeup blind, how to walk, how to, how to where to place your eyes, because Christina lost her sight when she was about 18, mm-hmm. uh, 17 or 18. So she's very familiar with the sighted world becoming you know and becoming blind in the sighted world yeah. so i just had to put ml on there and actually one of those songs i found hidden in an episode was called high middle low and it was this barbershop quartet to teach harmony and it's christina jones as the soprano i'm the middle and ml Woolley is the bass <laughs> and i hired this bluegrass um player to to create a bluegrass soundtrack to it so it's really fun that's one of the ones that Nick Raposo was like, H- what? <laughs> <you> that? <laughs> I was like, yep, yeah, we did it. Oh. Um, and then I have Marlena Barber, who's visually has has low vis- vision because she has albinism. So she is also another inspiration of mine. She's an incredible singer. We have another little girl who has albinism in the choir, and those people with albinism also are often visually impaired mm. so marlena barber has a big solo and one small voice she's just a killer singer and then um yeah those are the guests they okay. just all were perfect yeah and the children's choir how big
0: is the choir that sings that you put together for this album 15 i think okay 15, 15 kids and the choir um, is called dots
1: dots d o t z the reason we did that was there's a lot of stigmas about wording and saying blind kids or because people want to be identified as a person first and then their ability or disability mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. So instead of constantly saying blind children, blind kids, which isn't actually what you're supposed to say, sure. we decided to just to give them a name, the Dots Children's Choir. So okay. so that's where that came out of Um and again, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. I know I say that things wrong. Um, I'm learning daily the the rights and wrongs of politically correctness. Um, yes, we I, all always, are. Yeah. I know, and I know that I'm always going to say something wrong, but, but those who know me know that it's not out of anything, but just not understanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's where the dots came from because I learned that they don't want to be identified by their blindness first. Uh-huh. So, so Does that's D-O-T-Z why. Z stand for anything? No, it's a play on Braille. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, just because of the Braille dots. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you mentioned working with producer
0: Fred Mullen on this album. He's worked with a lot of famous people, including Billy Joel, Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. Linda Ronstadt. What was it like working with him as a producer? It sounds like he was pretty hands-on.
1: Yeah, he was great. So I've known Fred for years. Um, We've just been friends. And then when I moved out to LA about 10 years ago, he was working with Rita Wilson, um, Mm -hmm. making her album. And he said, Hey, I need some help in the studio. Can you come assist me on this album? And I was like, Sure, I'll hang out with Rita Wilson and Tom Banks for (laughs) for a week. So we got to know each other more in the musical world. And it was so exciting uh, to work on that album. And then every time he pops into L.A., we have lunch or, you know, and his daughter and I are friends. And he's the first person I ran this idea by. And I was like, Mm. hey, can I run an... I never thought he'd want to produce me. But I was like, can I run this idea by you? And he immediately said, I want to produce that. Mm. I want that to be Joe Raposo and Jeff Moss. Like, he saw the magic in it. And he basically was very hands-on in Nashville. So I flew to Nashville and he set me up with like Reba McIntyre's guys mm-hmm. and the top musicians in Nashville who all worked for pennies because <laughs> this music is so magical. Mm-hmm. And I was there for two days making all the tracks. And then I came back to L.A. and he had to stay in Nashville. So I sort of took over from there and did all the vocal sessions and did all the the post stuff. But but Fred laid the groundwork and has been instrumental in in the the blossoming of this project Mm. um he also like retweets everything and shares everything because he's just he believes in it and not because he knows me but because again the world needs this right now Mm. um i'm not saying that from ego that they need to hear me sing a song they need to hear this music sure um
0: Well, it's always exciting to hear about projects that a lot of people really coalesce around. And it's not because of the income they're making from it. It's because they really believe in the purpose, which sounds exactly what's going on with this album. And in fact, something that you said in the press release that I saw is... What the world needs now more than ever is the music of Sesame Street. We need uh, to be reminded that being kind is simple and being different is beautiful. No matter what your abilities or disabilities, if you believe in yourself, you can do anything.
1: Yeah, I I stand by that and it's so interesting um because I didn't even realize I was doing it at the same time as the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street, which was last year. Okay. But I'm sure you and your listeners are aware that since the pandemic started, Sesame Street has stepped up. They had a CNN town hall. They've been working with Headspace. I do a Munster meditation with my daughter at night. (laughs) Um, but it's interesting that Sesame Street also said, hey, let's let everyone know they're going to be okay. (laughs) And, um, because they have that power um, and that voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I am partial to old Sesame Street. I just love the classic Sesame Streets when Jim Henson was alive. I, I and I love the new ones, but there's something about the old ones that that just captures something. And um, so that's why this CD is celebrating the old music.
0: Mm. Well, as as you mentioned, proceeds from the album partially go to the Guide Dogs
1: of America. And September is National yes, Guide Dog Month. It is National Guide Dog Awareness Month, which is why we wanted to do them together. Guide dogs change the lives of those with visual impairment. I have one student, I met her when she was 14 danielle and very quiet and shy and scared and i was like now's the time to belt and now she belts and she sings (laughs) and she's always been a little little hesitant with the world and last year she went and got a guide dog Mm. and she meets me for lunch now Mm. she will go out um she's ready to go to new york city i mean it changes the lives of the you know people who are blind because it's it gives them it gives them independence that a cane doesn't, and mm-hmm. um, it gives them friendship. It gives them companionship, and just a reminder for your listeners: if you see someone with a guide dog with the harness on, don't pet the dog, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure,
0: yeah, good reminder.
1: Um, yeah, they are working. You can always go up to someone and say hi. What you know? Can I pe- can I pet your dog? Or and they might say no, but they'll appreciate you asking. Sure. I often break the rules and my students know that I do it. But I always say, can you take the harness off, please take the harness (laughs) off. So I will beg Christina to take her dog's harness off because she knows I just need to roll on the floor with her dog. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's interesting. I was going into a coffee shop about a year ago and I held the door open for a woman with a guide dog who was also holding the elbow of an older woman who was her mom. And and someone, as she walked out, went down to pet the dog. And I, being the New Yorker that I am, I said, <laughs> you know, please don't pet a dog that's working. And I, I sort of, like, was uh-huh. very loud. And the woman who was blind stopped and said, thank you for that. Uh, sure. Well, an hour later, me and this woman were still talking because we just, <laughs> like, were realizing how much we had in common. She was the head of marketing for Guide Dogs of America, who <gasps> I was already working with. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Well,
0: tell us where listeners can find this new album and also learn more about your work and connect with you.
1: Oh, well, you can always go to renastrober.com. And I have tons of videos up there. And, you know, sound clips, I do a lot of voice acting. So you can hear a lot of a lot of that stuff. But with this album, I'm trying to direct people to band camp because Bandcamp is um, a music platform that gives almost 100% of the money for the CD to the artist. Mm. And raising money with this album is very important to me. So it's renastrober.bandcamp.com. And you can buy the digital album for $9.99 or if you want a hard copy of the album, you can buy that for $14.99. And I actually ship it out to you with a little sticker. <laughs> mm. um, but if you go through Bandcamp, yeah, most of the money goes directly to the artist. If you don't want to do Bandcamp, I understand. iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora. I mean, it's going to be everywhere. Um, okay. I just really love the Bandcamp platform because they support the artist. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Well, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda is what I call it, yeah. by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Tell us about the song you'll be sharing with us today.
1: So the first song Fred Mullen told me I had to include on the album was Being Green, which is Joe Raposo's, one of his more famous songs. Yeah. And my my initial response was, no, I, I can't sing that. Like, oh, I can really? sing it. I can sing it technically, but but you have to earn that song. I felt like, <laughs> like who am I to sing about uh, not being happy with who I am? You know, being a like a white woman with all my senses. You know, mm-hmm. and I thought I don't, I don't deserve to sing that song. And so he kept saying, "You have to, you have to." And I kept thinking about it, and then I finally realized that I have to be the voice for a lot of my friends that are blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, then that song became what it's like to be blind in a world that's mostly sighted, a world that's built for the sighted, mm. where being green or being blind or being deaf or being um, having albinism or missing a limb or, or anything, that's what being green is. Mm. And they may all wish they, they had it different, but at the end of the day, I'm beautiful and it's where I, I want to be, which is how the song closes. So I took the song as more of an anthem for all of those people on the album and all the people who will listen to the album. Instead of making it about me, I I dedicate it to everyone I've met and yet to meet who feels that they are not happy with who they are, the way they are. But I'm hoping by the end of the album, they go, hey, I'm beautiful. And it's where I'm meant to be. Um, so yeah, that's what being green is now, and and I, I've, I've fallen in love with the song, and I hope it touches people, and I hope it brings them a memory, you know, from the song. It's not
2: that easy being green, having to spend each day the color of the leaves, when I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold. Or something much more colorful like that It's not that easy being green It seems to blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles on the water Or stars in the sky And it'll do fine, and it's beautiful And I think it's what I want to be It's beautiful.
0: Thank you so much to Rena and the extended team of participants on this album for enhancing lives with music. These songs are classics and it's fun to hear the fresh Broadway style take on them. And their message is more important than ever. The message of empathy, the power of kindness, and that being different is beautiful. If you'd like to support these messages and support Guide Dogs of America and research to cure blindness. Follow the link in the show notes to purchase the music for yourself, for the child in your life, or for someone who is young at heart. The show notes are found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 58. There's also a link to that page right in the episode details in your podcast app. Thank you sincerely for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.